My text this morning is going to come from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. And we have a a tradition um, among Hungarian Baptists is that when we read God's Word, we stand together for the reading of it in honor of the authority of God's Word over our lives. And so as you find it, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21, would you stand? Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of God, the love of Christ, I'm sorry, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Praise God for, the, for his word, and I want to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, I come before you now and with my brothers and sisters and ask that you would speak to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would be our private personal instructor, that you would reveal things to us from your word, that you would examine our hearts and our lives, and that you would challenge us in our walk with you and help us to see what you have done for us in Christ and what we in turn had the wonderful privilege and opportunity to be ambassadors for you, to be your emissaries, to tell others of what Christ has done and how they too can be reconciled to God through Christ. Thank you, Father. We ask you to be glorified and honored during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What a way to start this section. In verse 11, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. When I became a believer at the age of 16, um, I was working a part-time job at Sears. And I was, it was a radical transformation of my heart and of my life. And I was working in cash register. 
And all those people who were being checked out had to deal with me that day, that week, as I told every person who I met, do you know what happened to me last Sunday? I met Jesus. And He changed my heart and my life. I wasn't fired from my job. But the shoppers had big eyes. And some of them said, I'm happy for you. But I couldn't help but speak of what Christ had done for me. And to tell others of the God who saves. And to tell my co-workers that the guy they knew before had changed radically because of Christ. And Paul goes on in verse 12. He says, we're not commending ourselves. The whole point of what we our speech should be, we point people, we commend people to Jesus. We don't commend ourselves. We don't bring attention to who we are. But we bring attention to Christ and what Christ done, does to the human heart. How Christ transforms and changes the human heart. Makes all things new, Paul says in verse 17. And he says, well, if we are beside ourselves, if we don't seem to act normal to you, it is for God. But if we're in our right mind, it is so that we can, with great clarity, persuade you to be reconciled. For he says, the love of Christ controls us. Some versions use the word compel. The old King James uses the word constrains. It's the idea of being under control. The love of God, the love of Christ controls us. Why? Because we have been so transformed in our thinking and in our heart, knowing that one died for all, all have died, and Christ died for all that we might live for him, who for our sake died and was raised again. We look at the world differently. That's what he talks about in verse 16. He says here, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. I don't know about you, but my whole paradigm of how I viewed life in the world of people and of God Himself was altered, transformed the day I met Christ. And each and every day that I spend in His Word, my mind is being altered and changed and shifted. It's like God's coming along to this brick that's in my head. And he's like, he's got his little um, hammer and a spike. And he's coming along and having to chisel away and reform my thinking. Rewire my brain. Some of you are techno people. But we have this default mode we go to. Well, God comes along in Christ and he transforms our thinking. He rewires our circuits so that we look at life differently. In verse 17, the one you hear quoted so often by believers, it's a very cherished verse. We are new creatures, new creations. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. We have been transformed. And I can tell of you, that's what happened in my life. And in verse 18, it says, All this is from God who through Christ reconciles us to Himself. See, before I ever considered God, God was thinking about me. It was God who took the initiative to come and rescue me, to save me. He put individuals in my life to talk to me, to share Christ with me, 
to confront me, to challenge me, to call to my attention that I was missing something, that I was headed toward a destination of eternal separation from God, and unless things changed, I would spend eternity apart from God, experiencing His wrath and His judgment for all eternity in hell. I bless the memory of those people who spoke to me. I bless them. And I thank God for them. You have people like that in your life who at some point confronted you and talked to you and told you what Christ has done so that you could know God for all eternity and to enjoy Him forever. And you bless their memory. And you give thanks for them. And not only that, they had that ministry of reconciliation, but God has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. You think about it, reconciliation is kind of a weird term to use, isn't it? Think about it. We use reconciliation to talk about bank statements. You have to reconcile the bank statements. Or you're trying to reconcile two tables with each other to get things just right, whether it's measurements or some other form of um, figuring. But here, the idea is one party has been offended. It's not that I'm offended against God, but I have offended God Himself. I have offended a holy God. And I have no way of making it right. I have no way of correcting what I have done. But God comes and He reconciles me to Himself. He realizes that I can't fix what I've done. I can't suddenly make things new. I can't suddenly make things right with Him. He comes on my behalf and reconciles me to Himself. And get this. He gives to me and He gives to you this ministry of reconciliation that you and I are to go to other people, our family, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, people we meet in the, in the marketplace, our, our, our health care givers, and we are to share with them this message of reconciliation. That God is willing to not count our debts our trespasses, our crimes, our, may I use the word, insurrection against Him, our mutiny against Him. But He nails all that to the cross. And in turn, He looks at us and says, I've nailed all that to the cross. You are now no longer guilty. You are free. There is no longer a sentence of condemnation that rests upon you. You are free. And that's the message we bring to people. That people will turn and trust in Christ, repenting of their sins, and placing all of their hope, all their confidence on Jesus. They can know forgiveness. They can know eternal life. And they can have the joy of eternity with God forever. We are ambassadors, Paul says in verse 20. Ambassadors. You probably think of a guy who drives in a nice black limousine and a nice secure building with a lot of protection from the outside. 
But the idea here is more of one who goes to people, not one who sits secluded in protection, but one who goes out, an emissary, a messenger. And that's what God has called you and I to be. We are to be His ambassadors, His messengers, His heralds, His emissaries, His missionaries to go and tell other people what Christ has done for us. And the beauty of it all, the message we have is verse 21. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, like I described earlier, God took all of our filthy rags, all of our sins, all of the accusations the law had against us, and He placed it on Christ on the cross. And in turn, all of Christ's righteousness, all of His purity, all of His holiness is now laid upon us so that when God looks at us, He doesn't see our wretched sin. It's nailed on the cross. He looks at us and He sees Christ. And every day Christ is being formed in us. That is the message we have. And you and I are to be ambassadors for Christ wherever we are. Reconciled to God in Christ, telling God's story, introducing others to Jesus, calling people to faith and repentance. That's our task. You and I are God's emissaries, declaring the glorious kingdom of our Lord and calling for all who have... All the rebels. We're calling for all the rebels, all the ones that have committed mutiny, treason against God, to lay aside their weapons and to receive the pardon of the king. That's the message we declare to people. Robin and I um, live in a town of about 65,000 people in the town of Aird. It's a little commuter town just south of Budapest. Um, by train, it's about 30 minutes. By car, about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. And we, we are helping a Hungarian Baptist church reach out to the community and make disciples. It's a small church of about 60 people. And they struggle with some of the expectations we place upon them. Because we're encouraging them to go out and to engage people, to make friends, to talk to people, and to tell people what Christ has done for them. And it's hard. It's challenging. And sometimes you get a little bit of kickback. I got kickback once from Lotzi. Um, Lotzi and I were in house group, and um, not a lot of people came for house group that night. It was just actually it was just Lotzi and our family. And so I was sitting there talking to Lotzi, and I asked Lotzi about his job and what he did. And then I asked Lotzi, I said, Lotzi, do the people you work with, do they know about Christ? Have, they, have you told them about your faith in Jesus? And Lotzi kind of hung his head, shook it, and looked at me and just said, Ron, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Because if I do that, I'll create conflict. I'll create problems at work. I'll make enemies of my co-workers. 
and I could jeopardize my my future with the company and with my boss. I can't do that. I heard him. I understood his fear. I understood his concern. But I reminded Lotsey, God has placed you there to be a witness for Jesus. To tell the people that you work with about Christ and what Christ has done for you. Go forward. Fast forward three years with Lotsey. Our church has adopted this primary school and we're hosting a teacher symposium. And Lotsey's house group is doing the registration table and the refreshment area. It's a nice spread and teachers are coming in. They don't want to be there because it's a teachers and service day and they don't know what to expect. But they're greeted by smiling faces. They see the refreshment table and they're like, wow, no one's done this for us before. And Lassie recognizes some of the teachers as he's sitting there at the registration table having people fill out the name cards and checking people's names off the list. And during a break time, he goes up to them because he used to be a student at the school and he recognized some of the teachers. So he goes up to them and he says, Hi, I'm Lotsey. Do you remember me? I was your student in this time period. Lotsey, Lotsey, that... Oh, yes. I remember Lotsey. He was a problem child. Oh, he was difficult. That was a hard one to teach, I must tell you. And Lotsey said, That's me. No, you can't be the same Lotsey. But it's me. I'm that Lotsey. Really, what happened? Let me tell you. And then Lotsey proceeds to tell them about Christ. How Christ came and died for sinners like himself to set him free, to take away his sin and to give him a new heart, a new life, a new way of thinking. And he tells them, I now love God and I love people. And they're shocked because they've never, they knew him before. They never expected this of him now. And all they could see is God changes people. And the change comes from Christ. Lotsey found his voice. And not only that, but this past summer, at the summer camp, before 200 children, parents, and teachers, Lotsey again stands up and he tells his testimony to this mass assembly of people of how Christ found him and saved him and made him new. Lotsey found his voice. And you might be thinking, oh, that's neat. That's pretty cool. But that's not my neighborhood. That's not what I, I would experience. Well, Richard and Sharon Brummett might also have an agreement with you at some point. But they came and served with us this past spring. And they just did simple things. They were working at the school, helping with English teachers with their classes, but also they were doing English clubs after school. And they got to know the teachers really well. 
And one of the things that they did, which the teachers really liked, was Sharon would bake chocolate chip cookies or chocolate fudge brownies. And she would take them into the teacher's lounge and set them in there and say, these are for you. Enjoy. You guys are doing a great job with the kids. This is for you. And they're like, we've not had this before. This is really nice. And they got to have conversations with different teachers who could speak English. And they invited those teachers over to their apartment and they would have dinner for them. And over dinner, they would hear, they'd ask questions to the teachers about their background and their life stories. But then they'd also tell them their story. And they would tell them how they met Christ and what Christ had done for them. And one of those teachers was Ildiko. Now, Ildiko is a believer, but Ildiko has been really reluctant up to this point to talk about her faith in Christ. And so they talked with her, and she watched them a lot. And then Ildiko began to find that she could talk, too, about Christ. So to another lady that she was a friend with at the school, she began sharing with her the hope that she had in Jesus. As this lady was going through a very difficult period in her life, especially with health issues, and not knowing whether her contract for the next year would be renewed. And Ildiko walked right beside her the whole way, saying, hey, I'm here. How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? This lady's not yet ready to become a believer. But she's open. And she's got someone talking to her about Jesus. And I have to tell you about Marianne. We were having after school English clubs and um, Robin was helping the the hands-on ladies with clubs and I had come to pick them up and to take them home. And while I was sitting in the foyer, there was a very short lady who was trying to teach a group of 8th graders how to do ballroom dancing for graduation ceremony. Have you ever worked with 8th graders before? (laughs) Have you ever tried to teach them something that requires a lot of coordination? It's hard. And they're not the most patient group. But Marianne was very patient. Your hand goes here, this hand goes here, This foot goes here, this foot goes here. You take these steps and one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, again. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, again. Oh, that's not right. Do this. Change this. This arm goes here. This foot is supposed to go over here. Over and over and over again. I watched her do this for almost two months. I finally went up there and I talked to her and I just said, I just think you're a very patient teacher. You're a very good teacher because you go through everything. You explain everything and you're very patient with them. I have not seen you get angry. She just smiled like someone was watching. Someone noticed what she was doing. She was friends with another lady who teaches at the school 
who started visiting the Erdlige church. And she said to Marianne, Marianne, why don't you come with me for worship on Sunday morning at the Erdlige church? Baptist. I mean, we are a scary group, if you think about it. No one knows out there what goes on inside this building. I mean, we could be doing anything. And for Marianne, walking into a weird group, not knowing what to expect. But she was so disarmed when she walked in. She was scared. She was nervous. But when she walked in the door, people were there to greet her, shake her hand, wanted to know her name. They wanted to know her name, and they wanted her to feel welcome, like she belonged there. And so whenever she could, she was there on Sunday morning with her friend, and she would hear the gospel preached. And she would worship with us. This summer, when our church was preparing for the summer camp, she volunteered to lead one of the groups of children both weeks. She also volunteered to do the choreography for the closing ceremony. Every day she was hearing stories about Christ. She was also hearing different testimonies from our volunteers and from our church members. She also heard Lottie's testimony at the closing assembly. The week after the camp, she met with one of the ladies in the church. And they talked. And the lady shared with her, again, the gospel. And explained with Marion how she could know Jesus. How Jesus could take away her sin and give her a new heart, a new life. And she could know God in a personal relationship for all eternity. And Marianne said, I want that. I want that. So with that lady, she repented of her sins. She put all of her hope, all of her trust, her confidence on Christ. And believed in Christ. And before Robin and I left to come back to the States, she walked up to me. I had preached on Zacchaeus. And she walked up to me after the service, took me by the hand, and I wasn't expecting it, but she had tears in her eyes. She was crying and she was smiling. And all she could say was, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I couldn't figure out what I had done. Was it that I had befriended her? Was it that I had made her feel welcomed at the church? Was it something I had said when I preached? Was it a conversation I'd had with her? You and I do not know what impact we have with people when you and I share the gospel, when you and I talk with people. I would like one more opportunity to see my grandmother now to tell her thank you. But I'll see her there. I'll see her at the throne. But you and I have no idea what impact we have on people when we talk to people about Christ. There are some individuals that you talk to about Jesus and you feel like it was a wasted effort. You wasted your time, your energy talking to that person. You felt like you were talking to a brick wall. That person was unreceptive. Or that person wanted to argue with you. Hey, listen. Any opportunity you have to talk about Christ is not a wasted opportunity. 
It is not wasted. Even the hardest of hearts, God works on that person to draw that person, to convict that person. You are not responsible for the results. You are not responsible for the consequences of your obedience. That is up to God and that person. Our job is to go and tell. That's our job. That's my job assignment. That's your job assignment. And this summer, I would invite you to come with us and and help us as we do a summer camp. Um, and I would also invite you and challenge you to consider um, how you are partnering in the gospel with your church. With the churches here in Southern California and on a global scale. There are different ways we partner. One way is through praying. I pray for you and you pray for me. And I will be praying for this church. I'm going to be praying for Hacienda Heights and for what God does here. And Robin and I would ask you to pray for us. Our prayer cards are over here on the table. I'd love for you to take a prayer card. And if you write to me, I'll write you back. And I'll include you in our prayer newsletter. But I'm going to be keeping up with you. But see, we are partners together in the gospel. You're sharing here and we're sharing there. But also, when you come out to serve with us, that's another way of partnering because things are being set up for you to come and to be involved. And when you give, that's another way you partner because you're making it possible for us to be there to serve. And when I come back and share, I don't have to come back and say, oh, you know that car you helped with? It's got to get a new transmission. Or, oh, you know, the landlord's going to increase the rent. Or, oh, we got to get our new residence permits. It's going to cost this much. I don't have to come back and do any of that. I can come back and tell you what God is doing among the people. Because you gave the cooperative program and the Lyman Christmas offering. And even the small amounts matter tremendously. And so I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for giving. And thank you for considering ways that you could partner with us, either what you do here or there. I invite you to come and serve with us. But I want to say, again, I want to say thank you. I want to challenge you. Um, there are opportunities. I'm looking group of people here of different backgrounds. I'm looking at people who um, have different vocations and skills, people who are retired, young people. God can use any one of you. He can use all of you in different ways to expand His kingdom. And the question is, will you and I be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will be obedient. I will follow you wherever you send me. I will do whatever you tell me. And I will be an ambassador for Christ. I will be the voice of reconciliation declaring the goodness and grace of mercy in God and Christ to those who do not know Jesus, calling for the rebels to lay down their arms and to receive the amnesty the King offers. Thank you. I ask that the grace and peace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you and that God would do great and mighty things in your lives and in this church as you seek to follow Him in obedience. Thank you.